0: Welcome to Mysterious Goings-On, chapter 20. I'm your host J Alexander Greenwood. Very excited to have a friend on the show, an indie author who I think is really making a name for herself with her meticulous attention to historical accuracy, at the very least uh, grounding a lot of her fiction with strong historical references. Um, and we'll learn more about that in our interview with Michelle Stinson-Ross, a good friend of mine. And I hope you'll enjoy this conversation I had with Michelle. And um, don't forget, if you want more information about my books, PilotsCross.com is the place to look. And uh, love to have you on the John Pilot Mysteries Facebook page. Just search John Pilot Mysteries on Facebook. And now, without further ado, mateys, the author of Revenge of the Siren Song, Michelle Stinson-Ross. Michelle Stinson-Ross has been scribbling and making up wild tales most of her life. She never really outgrew her childhood penchant for building castles and lands of legend from the everyday world around her. She's always been a voracious reader as well, rarely picking up a book she didn't like. For several years, she's worked at being a respectable adult, earning a bachelor's degree in business communication, raising three daughters, and building a career in marketing. But as the children grew up and the career progressed, the drive to create those wild tales never left her. An active blogger and social media addict, to which I can definitely attest. Michelle has been feverishly working on several ideas, a podcast, and a new blog to serialize the work of dreams. Revenge of the Siren Song is the opening tale in a series that spans from the golden age of piracy into the adventure-packed steampunk world. Two full-length novels are currently in the works for the Rogues of Sea and Sky series. And we'll talk to her about that as we get into our conversation. But first, let's have a mysterious goings-on Welcome to Michelle Stinson-Ross. Hello, Michelle.
1: Hello, hello. How greetings are? and salutations. Oh,
0: greetings to you. Greetings and congrats on Revenge of the Siren Song, R- Rogues of Sea and Sky Book 1, the revised edition coming out. Mm-hmm. Let's see. We're recording on August 10th. It's It's it? out. It's out. It's out. Oh, my gosh. That's what she said. So <laughs> yes <laughs> so you you're it's it, the revised edition is out and about, and you're making the rounds, and we're just thrilled to have you here on m g o um well, michelle, you and i just a little brief history we've
1: oh we've got history we've
0: got history, but what's interesting is we've we've never met
1: <laughs> well, not actually physically in the same room
0: no. Uh, you know, uh, the the miracle of the internet is uh, the first link in the chain that became the friendship between us. And um, if I may, just long story short, I talked about this on her show recently. Um, um, I was working on book two of the John Pilot Mysteries, which takes place in Key West, Florida area. And at the time, Michelle lived in that area. And somehow through uh, Twitter, I believe, um, mm-hmm. we just kind of connected and all of a sudden um, through various online conversations, etc., cetera, through various platforms, Michelle offered up some wonderful research for me. That was really helpful in fleshing out the, uh, the scene for the book and gave me a, gave me a few ideas that I kind of worked in there. So, um, and from there, um,
1: I just keep giving him ideas. You,
0: you, yeah. You give me a lot of ideas. All right. But you know, what's funny is that, um, uh, of course, you know, my, uh, my day job, public relations and marketing, your day job, marketing and social media, we've worked together, um, yes. and you have developed, <clears throat> excuse me, quite a name for yourself in, in those circles as a consultant and a speaker, and um, uh, it's, it's just been fun that we've had this parallel development, and I guess this goes back to 2011 or so?
1: 2010, 2011, yeah, somewhere right, around there. Right around there. So it's basically it, he tweeted Key West, and that was the end of that.
0: That was it. Yeah, you, you you caught me, and there there she was, and I and I remember you had this yellow, you were in a yellow dress in your picture. I remember that distinctly. Mm-hmm. It was very vivid. It was like boom, oh hey, look at her, and she's talking to me about Key West, exciting. So um, that's how we met, and we have just grown ever since, and 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 uh, we'll. We'll we'll leave that there, listeners. Uh, what I want to really talk about, besides a walk down memory lane with Michelle, is um, her work as a writer. You you know I, I, as I mentioned in the intro, um, there there's uh, or maybe I, did I mention it in the intro? But it, there's so many things about being an indie genre writer. Well, and
1: it's so not about the money.
0: It's not about the money. <laughs> it's it's not. There aren't a lot of chests of gold doubloons out there, even for a writer of such wonderful pirate adventure romances as yourself Um, unless you get you know you can be really great at the at the craft and that still doesn't guarantee great great wealth so there's there's got to be a reason beyond that that you do it and i'm i'm curious as to your what are your motives lady what 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 gets you into this writing gig anyway
1: uh part of it is just I think my DNA I I am a communicator I am a writer I'm an extrovert so I can't help myself I love telling stories anyway right um, which has well. been the case all my life but on top of that I am also a history geek I, I love research I love reading about this stuff and I, I have to blame my 12 year sojourn in Florida for it because obviously I moved there from Oklahoma, which is another thing we have in
0: common. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot that we're both Okies, transplanted <laughs> Okies. Oh my god! <laughs> you know what's funny is neither one of us sound like Okies. Can I can I just interrupt for a minute? Do you, I mean, sure. I mean, I don't think either one of us truly have that Okie twang. We don't. I mean, it, it's gone from me mostly, unless I'm mad or tired. And you, I've never really caught the full the full Okie out of you. That's so.
1: because you've never met up with me when i'm mad or tired <laughs>
0: well see that's that's a good thing the, the,
1: well and here's here's the thing that i'll mention here and probably not any place else while he's from central oklahoma i'm from southern oklahoma and it's a whole lot worse down there honey <laughs>
0: L- L- little dixie as they call it right mm-hmm. yeah that's that's right yeah that's a good point point. and uh, uh, we'll leave it there, though. Uh, but here we are, a couple of transplant Okies. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. So you were you you were came to? Did you go from Oklahoma to Florida? Is that the direct yes. route? Okay. for yes. Your your husband's work or your work? My
1: or? my husband took a job in South Florida many many moons ago, and we moved three small children oh to a place we'd never been before. Um, completely different culture as well as environment, and I, I like learning. Right. I, I that, That's really where all this comes from. I love learning about stuff, and so, of course, I kind of wanted to learn about the history of the area that I was living in. Right. Well, I wound up in Palm Beach, Florida, hmm. which is just south of what is known as the Treasure Coast of Florida. There's a reason why it's called the Treasure Coast. In 1715, a huge um, armada of Spanish ships made was in the process of making the trek back to Seville in Spain to take the annual shipment of um, New World Treasure back to Spain. They encountered a hurricane. The entire flotilla went down all along the Atlantic coast of Florida in 1715. That was also the height of the particularly the British pirates. So for any of you that know anything about Caribbean history, um, the Bahamas at the time was the home base for all of the pirates in the Caribbean. Um, the British government had basically lost control of Nassau, and the pirates were using it for whatever the heck they wanted. And so several pirate captains decided, Hmm, let's go salvage some Spanish treasure. And that spot in Florida actually became the nexus for a whole lot of things. Obviously it was a draw for the, Pirates that were based in Nassau in the Bahamas. It was also a draw for a would-be pirate known by the name Black Sam, Samuel Bellamy. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably one of my favorite pirates just because of his romantic history. Um, Apparently, there was this girl he wanted to marry, but his parents, or her parents, I should say, weren't too keen on her just marrying some poor sailor. So he decides, Hey, I'm going to go salvage me some Spanish treasure and win me a girl. (laughs) Well, um, the things
0: you do for love, you know?
1: (laughs) Right, right. Well, that didn't exactly work out, but he managed to meet up with pirates, the likes of, um, Jennings and Hornigold. And like I said, several of the pirates based in Nassau at the time, And decided, yeah, sure, I can do this pirate thing. He actually became one of the most successful, at least as far as gathering treasure and ships and all that kind of stuff, pirates of the golden age of piracy. And he is one of the few that actually wanted to retire. All of this was done because he wanted to marry this girl in Massachusetts. And so he and Paul Grave um, Williams operated in the Caribbean for about a year or two. Right. And they decided um, to sail back up the eastern seaboard to go back to Massachusetts. Um, Williams was also from the area, that's why they knew one another, and so they sail back up. They get separated during the voyage back north, and um, Black Sam Bellamy's ship, the Widow, winds up going down in a storm in Cape Cod. He just about made it home to his sweetheart,
0: mm.
1: so um. Sam Bellamy's story is really kind of what got me interested in pirates. And, of course, when when I made the connection between Sam Bellamy and the Treasure Coast where I lived, mm-hmm. I started researching all kinds of other things. Well, um, they're still picking up treasure from that particular flotilla that, went, flotilla that went down in 1715. Wow. And it turns out that um, Mel Fisher got his treasure salvaging start on that same wreck. So he basically develops his um, funding by working with some other treasure salvers um, on the Treasure Coast near the Sebastian River Inlet. He takes his earnings from that salvage operation and funds his dives on the Atocha and the Margarita in Key West.
0: Yes. And if I can interrupt that, the Atocha is, uh, there's a book on that that you recommended to me that I used, um, for background for Pilot's Key. And it's fascinating stuff. Please continue. (laughs)
1: Well, that's just it. I got completely fascinated in all sorts of bits and pieces of pirate history. So I've read several biographies now on Captain um, Henry Morgan, who was not a pirate. He was also not of the era of the Golden Age of Piracy. He was the late 1600s. He actually sailed um, during the era that Cromwell ruled England. Um interesting stuff with that. I've also researched um a little bit of Captain William Kidd, who is again not part of the Brethren of the Coast, which is the main group of pirates that most people hear about when you're researching Caribbean pirate history.
0: Is that like at the in the in the Johnny Depp movie when all the pirates get together and 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 have the big the big council Is so
1: that the references to the references to morgan and bartholomew in that series they're they're talking about captain henry morgan
0: okay now it, who
1: by the way yeah. um when his privateering he like i said he was not a pirate when his privateering career was over he actually became the lieutenant governor of jamaica for a term
0: and did he have something to do with making rum at that point
1: he had several plantations on jamaica so highly likely that he had sugar plantations that were part of the triangle trade and the making of rum and molasses and all that kind of good
0: stuff do you think he always had a heroic pose every time he talked to someone did did he put his knee up and you know and we
1: have no pictures confirming that I,
0: i heard that his line he would go into a pub put his knee up on the bar and look at a comely lass and say have you got any Captain Morgan in you? Would you, <laughs> would you like some? Yeah, all right, sorry. Go right ahead.
1: He was Welsh, by the way. Yeah,
0: I don't do Welsh. I don't. Uh, I can't do a good Welsh accent. I can't do a good Scottish accent either. But anyway,
2: do continue.
1: <laughs> well, so among all of the pirates that I researched, one particular got my attention, and it was a female pirate by the name of, or at least the name that we... The public know her by Grace O'Malley. Now, again, Grace was not technically um, part of this golden age of piracy group of people. She was actually an Elizabethan pirate. Mm-hmm. And she was not only a pirate, but she was also a an Irish clan leader. Um, her father was originally the head of the clan. She married another... Um, clan leader and wound up actually becoming the head of both her father's and her husband's clan. Right. She um basically was involved in yeah, piracy, um smuggling as well as a lot of legitimate trade in Ireland at the time. And she is one of the very 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 rare Irish nationals to have actually been given an audience with Queen Elizabeth the first
0: hokey smokes. Really?
1: Yes. And it, it, that type of incredibly powerful woman is the basis of my character. Grace O'Malley in revenge of the siren song
0: is, but is is she, is your grace actually the grace or no,
1: not, no 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 no. Okay. basically she she shares a name and maybe a few interesting character points with the historical grace o'malley but that's really about it because the story is actually set in the golden age of piracy in the caribbean we visit um nassau and um port royal and all kinds of various places in the caribbean through the course of that story so it's definitely a golden age of of piracy late 1600s early 1700s story but I loved the historical Grace O'Malley so much I had to give that a nod
0: well yeah cuz my my research on her is that at a young age she wanted to go on a family trip to Spain and they refused to take her so she hurried off to her room and cut off her hair and put on boys clothes so that uh, in her attempt- She
1: actually stowed away on her father's ship yes yeah. she was uh, basically um her father did not have any sons and she was the eldest of his children and was expected to marry and forge political alliances and all that kind of stuff yeah. but she loved the sea and he actually encouraged her quite a bit when she was young but um they were getting ready to marry her off and she's like ah, ah no and, but she did. She wanted to sail with her father. She was certainly old enough. And had she been a boy, she absolutely would have gone. There would have been no question about it because as a boy – um O'Malley's son would have been apprenticing by that time, but she was not, and so there was a lot of argument about it. So she just settled the whole thing and stowed away aboard her father's ship.
0: So so did she cut her hair? Because they said, the research they did, they called her bald grace because she cut her hair like a boy, and... Uh, and, and my research said she had a brother. So I don't. But it's so murky because this was like what she was actually in the 1500s, right? So
1: correct. Yes. She, like she was a contemporary of um, Queen Elizabeth I. Uh, from what I've checked on, she and Elizabeth are actually about the same age. So by the time mm. Elizabeth had an audience with Grace O'Malley, they were both in their 60s.
0: Oh wow! But, well, mm-hmm. but wow. And she had quite a life. Well, well, and then, of course, your Grace had quite a life. Uh, you know, now, as she's described, and I, uh, your Captain Grace O'Malley is the bane of Spanish treasure ships and the British Royal Navy alike and prowls the warm waters of the Caribbean in search <laughs> of prizes. But, you know, I, 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 have, I, I love the description here, and, and as deadly as she is beautiful, Grace is not <laughs> the only threat on the high seas. Oh, and she's got an enemy. Oh, my God. And it's another... Her her enemy is another, another woman. Is that yes?
1: Right? Actually, now, um, that's interesting. Women women, particularly in this Caribbean era, uh, women pirates were not unusual. Uh, this same brethren of the coast. There's there's a whole lot of interesting politics in what happened um, in the Bahamas at this particular time period, but. Charles Vane is one of the, the pirates that features very strongly in, in the pol- politics and history of this particular era. And his quartermaster was Calico Jack Rackham. Jack eventually ascends to Captain C himself. And aboard his ship are two women pirates by the names of Anne Bonny and Mary Reed.
0: Mm.
1: So women in the, in this particular era being large and in charge in <laughs> this, this group of pirates is actually not unusual. Oh. And there's some interesting tales because at the time that um, Rackham's ship was captured – it was Anne, Bonnie, and Mary Reed that were shouting the blazes and actually admonishing the male pirates aboard that ship for not fighting to the last. They blamed the, the, all the all the, all the they captured.
0: Right, huh?
1: <laughs> these chicks were no um, fluff
0: puffs. Oh, I was gonna say, was gonna say they, cream these, puffs. They're, these they're...
1: ladies. These ladies were, can I say it, badass. I,
0: I think I think you just did. They <laughs> they are badass, and and they're um, they're fun. They're it's 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 such a fun read, um. And in the, what what I really love is it, and and I appreciate you taking the time to really lay out for us how deeply you. Um, research your your work, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's so many people who take the research pretty lightly. Now, of course, I'm not, I'm not, And but what I also love too is that you don't bog the story down with the research, and that's a fine line to get in because there's a lot of authors who shall be nameless who really want to give you so much exposition and want to really make sure it's all so um, historically, you know, perfect that they unfortunately dry out the story by doing that. There's the... Well- They just suck all the moisture right out of it.
1: True, true. Well, in in my mind, at least for me as a writer, this is fiction. It's a novel. I am creating my own world. Now, this is a world that is greatly informed by history. But I don't have any problems playing with timelines and putting characters from various eras in different places where you wouldn't have found them in history, just because they're interesting to me. And I think that the interplay between the characters is is interesting. So, you know, this, this is definitely for me, historical fiction, that is definitely an altered universe.
0: I love it. I love it. And it how do we classify this? Is this a sea adventure, or is it a romance? What, what, how do you classify the book?
1: That that's really a good question because it is a little bit of everything. It it is his it is technically historical fiction. It is a sea based adventure with quite a bit of romance, but we're not beholden just to the romance. I'm I'm sorry, I've read far too many. Um, Adventure romance books where, you know, the chick in the book is just so swept along by everything and, and she never really seems to be in control. I'm like, that just sucks.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, wait. I, I definitely wanted the female characters in the book to be strong and compelling in their own right and every bit in control of their lives because basically that's what the pirates of the golden age of piracy were after they were after some freedom some autonomy some control over their destinies and you know i i just can't write female characters that don't have control
0: (laughs) no and and you know you know just to be perfectly blunt, I mean, when you asked me years ago to read this, I was like, oh, boy, you know, is this going to, you know, I love Michelle, but is this going to be like a, a a real bodice ripper romance with the backdrop of, <laughs> you know, come on, give me a break, you know, because right, that's, right, that's right. what you, you know, you wonder. And then I was so thrilled when it wasn't that it was it, it was this wonderful fleshed out lead character she knew what she wanted and she had a, she had a man kind of in her life but that man did by no means did that man always have the upper hand on her he, although he did lay his hands on her i think and uh <laughs> you know there it was just that plus the the blend of historical just enough historical accuracy cuz i'm a big reader of of um all the uh uh, the Master and Commander series, for one, of a better turn. The Aubrey-Maturin series, mm-hmm. um, which gets very is is just to the edge of being so historically accurate that it can get a little dry. But it's I love that series. But this had just enough of that uh, verisimilitude with these good characters and these in and this interesting story um, that I really liked it. So I was I was really excited when you said you know I'm gonna I think there's some parts of it I want to work on and I want to take another swing at it. And you know what, Michelle, clock on the wall is telling me that this episode is really done so i'm going to ask you if you'll hang around and we'll we'll just have you back for another episode would that be okay
1: i would love it because we need to talk about iterating
0: yes iterating that's and that's a, a euphemism for sex i hope <laughs> it's, no hmm. not, not really okay. or
1: or maybe it might be iterating work because we we need to talk about revenge of the siren song 2.0
0: that's exactly what we need to talk about. And I want to compare experiences since we both have done that. Um, but for the listener today, if you want to learn more about Revenge of the Siren's Song, Rogues of Sea, and Sky Book One, you can find it on Amazon. But also, Michelle, give us the rundown here. Where, whereabouts on the old Internet of Things may we find you?
1: Oh, my gosh. So you can always Google Michelle Stinson ross and you'll find just about everything that i've ever done um michelle stinson yeah michellestinsonross.com is my home page my
0: michelle i'm sorry stinson is spelled s-t-i-n not s-t-e-n right so it's stinson s-t-i-n-s-o-n just to, you know some people might miss that and give up you know and look, i can't correct her. correct go ahead yes
1: so also go to michellestinsonross.com which, like I said, is my home port. Um, I have profiles on Facebook, on Twitter, on Wattpad, on Goodreads. Yes, guys, I am on Goodreads. Reach reach out to me, please. Um, the book itself is available in both print and ebook, and the audiobook read by yours truly is coming very, very soon. Oh wow. I, I have a couple of finishing touches to put on it, but it, it's, it's almost there. I will let you guys know when it's out.
0: Excellent. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, this has been episode 20. Oh my gosh. The, the big two Oh, uh, mysterious goings on, otherwise known as chapter 20. And, uh, want to thank Michelle and just remind you if you want to learn more about my series, Go to PilotsCross.com, P-I-L-A-T-E-S-C-R-O-S-S.com. And, of course, I'm available everywhere, too. You can find me on Twitter at A underscore Greenwood. Facebook, John Pilot Mysteries. You can Google me. Nah, you probably shouldn't Google me. Don't do not do Google Images, that's for sure, because I can't get that one picture removed. I don't know who put that up. Anyway, <laughs> great of you guys to tune in and listen. And uh, we, we hope you'll come back for more with Michelle in our next chapter. Uh, Until then, keep reading.